and welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. There are some topics that are well discussed in society. Politics, sport, the economy, environmental concerns, those sort of things. Then there are topics that seem to spike and then fade, only to spike again sometime later. Some new fashion, health and diet trends, new books or movies. And then there are topics that are of fundamental significance that are never or barely discussed in the public at all. Today we have chosen a topic that is relevant for a good portion of the 3.5 billion men on this planet, and of course, directly related, also relevant for the 3.5 billion women in this world, men's sexual health, a holistic approach. Our topic today, and we will be talking about the many causes and holistic opportunities to address erectile dysfunction and other issues when it comes to men's intimacy and personal health. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helber. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. So I think that this is a really important conversation that we're having. I really liked your intro, Helga, about talking about, you know, the men that have the potential to be affected and, and women who are by extension affected because women have men in their life that they love, whether they choose to have a man as a partner or another woman as a partner. We talk about health as a fundamental piece of society, and we all need to be functioning healthfully and offering an environment where we can have the kind of conversations that allow our entire society to be elevated to a place of health and freedom. So thank you for putting that into your intro, Helga. Yes. And switching gears a little bit before we get into today's topic, Mark, you are really comfortable traveling. We we know this about you because we work with you on a regular basis, and you're on the road quite a lot. You've recently booked some travel of a different kind. It's work of a different kind, and it's actually in somewhat intentioned to get you out of your comfort zone. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I'm actually not leaving from the airport. I'm leaving from my comfort zone now. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got my boarding passes. <laughs> and buckle I'm, up. And I'm buckled up, <laughs> and I'm fully ready to go. Yeah, it's actually, you know... Uh, it's interesting because I recently took a Kundalini energy ch- a massage training course and uh, a Watsu, water, it's water-based Shiatsu uh, massage course. And both of them, I thought, well, I'm being called to be a massage therapist. And what I found along the way is that in leaving my comfort zone, I've actually just become alive. And I'm not necessarily being called to be a massage therapist that will serve me, and I'm sure it'll be bring joy to to myself and to others. But what I've found from my teachers is mostly what I've really needed to learn is that I needed to learn to let go and let people in. It's really been more about intimacy. I'm learning to, as I learn to let go, I'm learning to receive. Um, I've always been a great giver, but I've been a really difficult receiver. (laughs) And um, that's really important in your life to be able to receive what others want to give you. And it's actually been one of the most beautiful and liberating experiences that I've had. So For the first time in giving and receiving, I actually feel like I'm alive for the first time in my life. I think the even more key is that by doing that, I'm allowing others to have an invitation to do the same themselves. Hmm. And so, yes, leaving my comfort zone, I'm actually um, going to a land that is very unfamiliar to me, but has always been there. Well, it's fascinating to me, Mark, to hear that because you always come across as this kind of big loving bear 
and what I've heard from you to say is, you know, kept people at arm's length. You let them in to this specific spot and not further. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it, that that's the, you know, taking the risk to be more into me, you see, more intimate with yourself and with others. It's so beautiful and it's so tricky. We construct these lives. There's a lot of work we put in to keep the structure exactly the way it is. Whatever we invite or may do, often we don't get to that core of ours where things actually really shift. So really leaving your comfort zone is really as scary as it gets in life. The unknown, truly, truly unknown, the stuff we don't know that we didn't know. So that's amazing territory of change. (laughs) (laughs) It's um, very inspiring that you're doing that. Well, and it's interesting how you framed it. You said you felt like possibly you were being called to mm-hmm. become a massage therapist. Mm-hmm. And and having never taken the opportunity to go somewhere outside your comfort zone, you wouldn't actually know what it's for until you get there. And then you can see different ways that it might be integrated into the life that you came from or the new life that you're building with the tools that you've picked up outside of what you thought was your your path, your mm-hmm. comfortable path. Mm-hmm. So it's very encouraging. Yeah, we do much of what we do. We think we do it for ourselves. And that we really state that it's for the others. You know, I'm becoming a ma- massage practitioner so I can massage other people. And then at the end, it's about us altogether anyway. That's really mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. fascinating. Great I don't think story. there's anything we can do just for the other person as we shouldn't. It's us who are showing up for that. Thank you, Mark. That's really beautiful to hear. And, um, yeah, continued success and findings on your path. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Our topic in this hour, as we are continuing the conversation about intimacy, we're talking about men's sexual health, a holistic approach. We'll be talking about the many causes and holistic opportunities to address, for example, erectile dysfunction and many other issues that men deal with when it comes to men's intimacy and personal health. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Bouquet. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And before we dive into that topic fully, a different form of health and well-being. First, here's, as always, the weekly update from the world of health and beauty. Here's our very own Sitarani Palomar, a.k.a. Chef Sita, and her holistic bite. Well, this morning, I enjoyed my usual morning cup of Earl Grey tea, but I had it with coconut milk, which I don't usually do. And I I had to say it was really a, a, an extraordinarily, unexpectedly delicious new combination. <laughs> and it got me thinking about the different things that we get when we get into different varieties, you know, not just different flavors we get with new varieties of things, but also different health properties that we get from things when we so get out of our comfort zone, which was our topic earlier. And I was thinking about non-dairy milks because coconut milk is a non-dairy milk. Other non-dairy milks are rice milk, soy milk, oat milk, almond milk. And I was thinking that this is these aren't just for people who are lactose intolerant or people who are vegan. These are available to everybody. You don't need a card to get this <laughs> off of the shelf, right? And and we talk about diversifying our diet. You can diversify these things that you just don't think of um, as, as being something you would diversify if you put 
cream in your coffee. You could do non-dairy cream in your coffee. And it doesn't have to be a statement, but it can be a way for you to get different flavor and different health benefits. I mean, these different non-dairy milks, for example, like coconut milk and almond milk, have different kind of fats in them. So it's a way to really get a broad spectrum of nutrients. And so I wanted to just give two simple guidelines for making a couple of these at home, almond milk and coconut milk particularly. And I have talked about how to make almond milk on air before. There are lots of different ways to do it. We do have blogs about that as well. But one of the fastest ways to do it is actually with a couple tablespoons of almond butter. And you put that in a blender with a cup of water. So two tablespoons of almond butter and one cup of water. You can add a little bit of sea salt. You can add a little bit of sweetener if you would like. You can add a little vanilla extract if you would like. But that's the simplest way to do it. You can also soak almonds and blend them with water. You can also put the almonds in a little bit of boiling water for like a minute or so and then take the the skins off, the brown coverings, and then puree that and strain out the almond bits. So there are a couple different ways you can make almond milk. But what's fun to me about making coconut milk, which is something that I've been doing more recently, this is a cheater's version, much like the two tablespoons of almond butter. When you buy a can of coconut milk, full fat coconut milk, it's very thick. It's very heavy. It has a lot of fat in it. And that fat, it kind of, it it makes whatever you put it in, if you're putting it in your coffee or your tea, a little bit more oily. And you get a little bit more kind of density along the top there that is unusual, probably, if you're used to consuming different kinds of milk. So with canned coconut milk, What I do is I pour that can of coconut milk into a measuring cup that measures four cups total, and I fill the rest of that with water. So I will make essentially four cups of coconut milk out of one can of quote-unquote coconut milk. And that gives it really a more balanced consistency that I would want if I'm adding it to tea or coffee or even breakfast cereal. So I hope that that gets you outside your comfort zone a little bit and shows you that there's lots to be enjoyed in the way of non-dairy alternatives, even if you do eat dairy. So that's this week's Holistic Bite. Thank you, Sita, Chef Sita, for that weekly update from the world of health and beauty. Beautiful, Mark. Well, you know, I tend to do almond milk. And then, but when I was at the store in the last couple months, I noticed that oat milk was on sale. So I tried oat. And then I came back and then, I, you know, then it was rice. And then, so I've been trying each one that's on sale and liking them for different reasons. Like the rice milk is a little thinner. It doesn't taste as fatty. But if I want something fatty, I go with hemp or I go with almond or one of those because it just gives me that creaminess I'm looking for. But sometimes in the afternoon a smoothie, I don't want that. I want, you know, something that feels thinner. Seven grain milk I found the other day, which is much thinner. And it has all those different properties that I'm not necessarily getting from just one type of milk. I like it. I like what you're talking about. Yeah. what I, I loved your beginning, Sita. You don't have to be lactose intolerant. You, you didn't say that next part, but you actually basically just have to be intolerant to, or I guess ignorant, <laughs> to not try any, anything else. To include non-dairy alternatives sheer for the desire to, to change the flavor profile and texture profile, it's such a fun way to approach it. You know, you don't have to be sick or intolerant or have allergies or whatever and say, oh, dairy is the number one thing or choice. I can't have dairy. So hence, I'm going with these 
perceivingly lesser value alternatives. It's really a, a beautiful choice. Hemp milk, Mark, you're totally right. It's a wonderful, completely different flavor. Nut butter to your coffee makes it actually richer and more nourishing in a way. Wow. So really yeah. cool. I'm going to try that almond butter. Me too. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sita. Our topic today men's sexual health, a holistic approach. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helper. I'm Mark Mukhehi. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we'll dive into the topic of erectile dysfunction and other issues when it comes to men's intimacy and personal health in just a minute. Stay tuned. Spicely Organics offers more than 200 different organic spices and dried herbs to choose from. Classics like oregano and cumin, exotics like aji amarillo, and blends like tikka masala. Spicely helps nourish your body while embracing sustainable, eco-friendly, and ethical practices always. Take wellness into your own hands and creativity into your own kitchen. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at spicely.com. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Bokehi. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. We're talking about men's sexual health in this hour, a holistic approach to address the many issues that some men experience when it comes to intimacy and personal health. With us now is Dr. Sharon Ellison, a licensed acupuncturist and the founder of Acupuncture for Men's Health, who's joining us today from Portland, Oregon. Welcome to the show, Sharon. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. Well, Sharon, this is Mark, and I've been, the World Cup is on, there's golf tournaments, there's baseball on every day. The one thing that I'm noticing is that there's all these commercials where there's numerous advertisements for erectile enhancement medication, and yet men's sexual health is not openly discussed in the public. Why do you think this is? Well, I I think that the virility of manhood has been an important theme throughout throughout history, um, and of course, like what you're watching on TV is a great target audience, um, and the reason why the, the ads are appearing predominantly. Um, but we see this in history through, you know, ancient and contemporary literature. Um, it's been written about for, for many, many years. Um, those afflicted with, you know, erectile concerns have been exposed to humiliation at times, which has significantly impacted societies throughout the ages. I mean, if we look at... Um, you know, John Ruskin, who's a 19th century author, um, he had a mental breakdown and uh, retreated from a life of fame for one of isolation after his marriage was publicly annulled from non-consummation. You know, more recently, we have Bob Dole, a presidential candidate who's lived, a, you know, who will live in infamy due to his public admittance of erectile concerns. So I guess the loss of potency for many men signifies a, a loss of self-worth. You know, so it's not something that they want to really admit 
you know, openly. It makes sense. I mean, it goes completely, if you look at how we are as a society, I completely get it. Well, I really appreciated you saying that this isn't necessarily a new problem. Despite the numerous advertisements that we see, this has actually been something that men have struggled with so long as there have been men. I mean, that is really comforting to know that it isn't necessarily a societal thing. And and, uh, Sharon, if you can answer this, why do you think that men can't talk about it? Well, I think that, you know, we find with acupuncture for men's health, um, even with the, you know, patients, you know, coming in to see us, that, you know, providing a space for them that's very comforting and supportive of their, you know, of their sexuality is important. You know, a lot of heterosexual men will choose, you know, to go to female practitioners uh, just due to possibly not feeling comfortable with talking about it with other men. Mm. They're not quite sure, like, what sort of treatments are happening too, um, you know, so, you know, there, there is a, you know, especially in the, the naturopathic world or the acupuncture world, um, it's a new, there are new modalities to help men with this concern. So, you know, rather than, you know, possibly going to the urologist where they're going to be, you know, have a complete physical checkover and it can be, you know, very nerve wracking for men to actually find out if there is actually something wrong. Which is the perfect segue into uh, the question I had for you, Sharon, about the, from a holistic standpoint, what contributes to to men's sexual health challenges? Uh, you were saying, even or from what I'm hearing, even that the topic is taboo, kind of, that men most often choose a female practitioner over a male practitioner because this brotherhood for men seems to be broken when it comes to real issues of intimacy. We had a great show with a father-son where they address father-son issues that are clearly happening in many, if not most, families and uh, really addressing the the existing father or the soon-to-be father to change that, to break that cycle. That's why your work with as the founder of Acupuncture for Men's Health is so important and hopefully the show to, to break the ice around this topic and, you know, refer to to a, a physical problem that may occur, a neurological problem, or a Viagra ad. It's really, there's so much more to that topic. What do you see contributes? How, how broad is the spectrum when we talk about sexual health challenges? Yeah, it, 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 the question brings up a couple of different avenues you can go as far as like bringing, I mean, as far as the pharmaceutical companies, obviously they have some money, you know, so they're able to be the ones um, showing those ads on primetime, you know, television. And, you know, so we, we don't, the natural therapies is, you know, we don't have as much resources in that sense to be as public and informative um, to what men can actually, you know, come in to see, you know, natural therapists for. So, you know, that's, that is one of the challenges. So, therefore, what happens with, you know, if we're looking at Western medicine, and there's quite a few treatments for this concern, but if we take, you know, something like Viagra, uh, which is predominantly advertised on TV, then the, the pharmaceuticals are not really addressing the underlying cause of the concern. Okay, so uh, we're, we're masking a concern. So erectile concerns um, tend to be a symptom that can show up quite early uh, as an indicator of other concerns. So, you know, we want to be able to treat the underlying cause before, 
you know, we had done any other further path rather than masking it and then continuing down that path, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, can so, you explain you know, that a little bit more in detail? Like, what is what does um, a pharmaceutical pill do that holistic approach would completely reverse that and, and come from the other angle, so to say? Sure, absolutely. So what happens with Viagra, okay, so to actually have an erection, uh, there's a series of events that occur. So when a man becomes aroused, um, nitric oxide is a neurotransmitter, and it's released into the penile tissues. That nitric oxide is then turned into something called cyclic guanosine monophosphate, okay, and we call it CGMP for short. Um, but it's this substance that relaxes the smooth muscles of the penile tissues and allows the blood to flow in. Okay, so the natural tendency of this CGMP is to break down. If it didn't break down, men would have a continuous erection. So it's supposed to break down. But if the CGMP is breaking down faster than it is being made, then the man will be unable to maintain an erection. So what happens with Viagra, what it does is it stops the CGMP from breaking down. So Viagra doesn't actually create an erection. It just stops the erection from, from uh, breaking down. So it helps a, uh, a man maintain an erection. The good thing about if a man actually has taken Viagra and achieved an erection, he has all the great neurotransmitters that he can uh, feel confident with and proceed down a more natural uh, therapies way. Because what happens is if a man is like running on, say, 30% of his nitric oxide that turns into the CGMP, what you know, and the, and the Viagra kind of traps that 30% in the penile tissues. Mm -hmm. What natural therapies do is turns that 30% of nitric oxide back into 100% of nitric oxide. So if you're running on your full 100% of nitric oxide, turning into CGMP, your CGMP will be created quicker than it can break down. And therefore, you'd be able to maintain an erection. So like what happens in Chinese medicine and acupuncture, um, you know, we have like techniques like um, electrostim machines and that might sound a little scary for some men of like where we actually do the, the e-stim, but sometimes it's actually just done on the lower back where these pudendal nerve, which actually produces this nitric oxide, can be nourished and increase that um, in their body. So it can actually be very gentle treatments. Um, they're very relaxing treatments. So, so Chinese, yeah, so Chinese medicine a, and, and acupuncture would boost, of course, always the natural ability to have an erection or for general men's health in, in the world of intimacy, whereas um, you know, pharmaceuticals like Viagra pick you up where you are but don't improve your overall condition. You basically will never get off it or improve your overall condition if you don't address it. It's not a, it's not a therapeutic drug in correct. that sense. Mark, it's kind of it. For, kind of sounds to me, uh, Sharon, like the way c organic and conventional agriculture work. In conventional agriculture, they put they put a lot of heavy chemical uh, fertilizers in the soil, which makes the celery grow faster, but it's less nutrient dense, so it's not ever giving you anything. But be before we go, before we move on here, what are some of the we talked about? the nitrous oxide, but I'm wondering, what are some of the specific sexual challenges, the health challenges? How do they get there? You talked a little bit about how a man, if, if he can't perform, feels this way, but are there some uh, uh, environmental challenges, diet, any of those things that might contribute to some of these, some of these issues? Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, as far as like endocrine factors, hyperthyroidism, diabetes, 
uh, neurological factors, vascular factors, venous leakage. There is actually a whole list surgery. Um, even for people who have had prostate surgery can have a, um, you know, after the surgery, they can have nerve damage. Mm. And so what it does is it inhibits that nitric oxide. But there's many, it's, a, it's a very intricate system to actually create an erection. So, you know, it may not be, many of us think that it is blood flow flowing, you know, if we can't create an erection, it may be blood flow. But it may actually also be that the blood is draining from um, the vein, the dorsal vein, faster than the blood can flow in. And so there's no occlusion. So it it's very individual for the person. And that's like talking on a very Western medical way of looking at it. If you're looking at it like more, say, in a you know, holistic way and saying the whole body, you know, like what's going on for that man in his life? Okay, so what's what's happening? In in Chinese medicine, we attribute different organs to, you know, different seasons and and what the seasons represent. And this actually is the bit that ties into like your organic produce. Because if we take the, the season of the spring, which is the liver, you know, organ that is associated with the spring, this organ is like very, very important for erectile function. So in Chinese medicine, if we, we look at the, the character, the Chinese character of the liver, it's actually a mortar and pestle. And the mortar and pestle is indicative of the ingredients that are being ground and applied to life's experience to create wisdom and change so that the liver, and in Chinese medicine, can do its primary function as the, as the planner and preparing for a growth of one's purpose and destiny. So we can look at it at a much larger picture you know, for men, are they actually creating what they want in life? This also attributes to your, to the, the produce. It's like just so, just as the warmth from the liver in spring is responsible for the plant fibers to move upward and outward, penetrating through the ground, so is the liver responsible for the integrity of the sinews to hold the penis erect as it fills with qi and blood. And that's the way we talk about it in Chinese medicine. If a man cannot apply the wisdom from past experiences to continue to penetrate the world, there may not be the ability to hold an erection strong enough for coitus penetration. And that's really interesting to me, the whole psychological, metaphorical and not metaphorical um, relationship of life and the world and the man's standing in his own life, literally and figuratively. We are talking with Dr. Sharon Ellison, who's joining us from Portland, Oregon, in this hour of an organic conversation on men's sexual health, a holistic approach. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Uh, Sharon, stay with us. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with much more. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. 
Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helder. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our topic in this hour is men's sexual health, a holistic approach to the many challenges from erectile dysfunction to many other issues around intimacy and personal health. We're talking with Dr. Sharon Allison, the founder of Acupuncture for Men's Health, a licensed acupuncturist who's joining us today from Portland, Oregon. Sharon, in some of our pre-calls getting ready for this show with you, we talked a little bit about how acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine have in, in a lot of ways really been embraced by the female community as um, really beneficial therapies to help with fertility. And for that, I have to say I'm really, really grateful and proud of the female sex for kind of opening this door into alternative ways to really create a, a comprehensive health picture, um, particularly for our sexual health. And, and really, now we're talking about using the same approach for men on a subject that is so taboo in our society. And before we went to break, we were talking about some of the physical Affects the physical beginnings of um, sexual challenges for men. Let's talk a little bit about mental challenges. What kind of cycle? What What are the psychological experiences that can affect a man's sexual health? Yeah. Well, like I was like um, just discussing. I mean, I think it's um, if you if you look at what erections are possibly achieving, and that's penetration. You know, a man has to be hard enough for the erection to actually achieve penetration. And if you look at the yang nature, like, in, I mean, in Chinese medicine, we're talking about Y-A-N-G, yang, the yin and yang. You know, men have more of a yang nature in general. And they go out into the world and they explore and they build things. And it is about them penetrating their world. And so, you know, when there's other imposing factors on their life, this is like what came kind of dragged them down. You know, even criticism and shame is, is like a significant one. Um, in Chinese medicine, the, the uh, po, which is the spirit of the, the lungs, um, can be disturbed by criticism and shame. So we're looking at emotional fragility that can create a protective layer in, in compensation um, and putting a barrier up, barrier up with his sexual partners. Things like if the man hasn't been able to let go, like let a, a past partner go or a past lover. Um, this is the function of the large intestines, just as we see the large intestines letting go. You know, if we're not letting go of the past, we're able to, you know, we, we may not be able to integrate and nourish, you know, take that nourishment from past sexual experiences. This can lead to emotional aspects of like erectile dysfunction. I think that's a great point you bring up. We were talking about this before the show as well, which is that, you know, so many of our relationships to the world around us are formed at a very, very young age when we first start having new experiences, like with water or with being in the outdoors. Like these things are, are part of our conditioning from an early age. But for many people, a sexual experience happens much, much later, a couple decades later. And that first experience, 
can have a really lasting effect on your relationship with it. So you're talking about how some of these past events can be carried forward. And and it's not necessarily that it's a physical challenge that needs to be overcome, but it's a it's a psychological challenge that needs to be overcome. Yeah, and I think that this, you know, could definitely contribute to like why there's a sensitivity around why men may feel uncomfortable talking about it, you know, to actually admit that there may be some, you know, emotional um, concern or something's going on for them that they haven't been able to put behind them can, you know, when they start to admit this to themselves, you know. um, But, you know, we're talking, you know, natural therapies, we definitely talk about this component. You know, Western medicine is not, you know, if, you know, they're, they're looking at very westernized physiological signs, you know. So, you know, that's like one thing. Another thing, like with natural therapies, we look at the, the person's, we listen to the person's story, you know, what's been going on for them, as well as looking at other associated signs and symptoms. Um, when we diagnose um, in Chinese medicine, we're going to be looking at things, not just their emotional state, but we're also going to be looking at things like, do they usually run hot or cold? Do they have cold hands and feet? Are they experiencing night sweats? Or are they running really, really hot and sweating all the time? These two different pictures or characteristics with the same concern, primary concern, will be, have completely different treatments. Um, whereas, you know, Western medicine may look at them as the same you know, the same pharmaceutical drug may be administered. So, mm-hmm. It's really fascinating to dissect the connection between the physical and the psychological because what what starts with what, right? If do you have a, a physical thing going on that then not let you have an erection or other issues around intimacy, that then becomes a mental challenge or does it start with a mental challenge and just, you know, out of my own experience, the the mental, the psychological state is incredibly powerful if you have shame or or guilt or, you know, the, the, the first partner that you ever engaged with, how is that experience? Uh, you know, who have you seen from your male friends naked to compare to yourself to that in, in size and in, in, in whatnot? It's just, or stories you hear, and then you go home alone as a man, and you wonder when you're 15 or 17, holy moly, how will I make it through this life? This will never mm-hmm. work. And of course, none of that is true, or, you know, the moment it's spoken or the moment it's placed in a safe environment, actually, it all, it can all dissipate. So I, I know how strong the psychological pressure can be if you just lost your job or your boss jumped on you and pulled you apart or whatever it may be. Um, I don't think there's an environment in which men can safely discuss that often enough, unfortunately, amongst themselves or with their partner, male or female, whatever that may be. Yes, Sita. Well, I think that that you're going where I would like to take the conversation next. And I would really love to get your your wisdom on this, Sharon, um, which is what are some of the supportive things that a partner can do to help their lover who may be sexual um, suffering from sexual health problems? Yeah, and, and all of that is, is interesting, what you just said, because, you know, the combination, first, like the, the combination of going back and forth, is it like physical? Is it, you know, emotional? Is it, you know, which one leads into one? And when does it like wrap around and, and everything causing everything? Yes. Um, I think it's like, you know, really interesting to like, you know, and the thing is, as far as like moving forward, you have to start somewhere, you know, so even mm-hmm. taking the first step to do something is a, is a good 
is a good step um, to unraveling that cycle. And, you know, this is like, you know, if we, to answer your question, the, the thing is, the supportive thing is to do is to, you know, possibly see where, what's going on in that person's life to start with. I mean, as, you know, when there's other vital systems that happen in the body before sexual function, you know, the body's going to take care of its kidneys, take care of its liver and everything else before, you know, it takes care of its sexual function. Okay, so if there's other, you know, just even on a physical level, so if there's other things going on, like you said, like, you know, if someone loses their job, um, you know, or the, the loss of a, um, a family member or something like that, stresses of their life, you know, kind of override that sexual function. So, um, you know, it just takes a back seat. It can take a back seat for a while. So as far as a partner is concerned, you know, just to see where that individual is at with their life um, and what's going on for them, you know, because there is a, you know, like an intricate set of physical uh, events needed to actually create interaction. Doing some research and supporting, you know, a man on looking for ways to address the concern. Um, the quicker the, the concern is actually addressed, the less anxiety there is about it, and mm-hmm. then, you know, the less it, it deteriorates. So, you know, kind of taking the first step is is key. Yeah, that's a that's a really you know, good point. The the pressure, the word that came to mind is internal or external pressure, and you summed it up with anxiety. I think the anxiety makes it then so much harder to move through that. It's really that in itself becomes a problem, right? When once you have anxiety around intimacy, nothing will work. So back to the safe container. If you are a partner that has a partner that has challenges. I would always, and I'm, I'm just speaking as a layperson, but I know that stopping in that moment when things don't go the way both partners want to and not trying to make it work, but stopping and creating a safe environment to talk about it or to, you know, to just stop there is a really good first step that that is okay. What, what other things can be done in a, in a partnership to create that safe space? Yeah, or, or just like not taking the focus off actual, you know, I mean, there's a lot of lot of other sexual um, experiences to be had other than, you know, creating an erection for, you know, strong enough for penetration. So enjoying other sexual, you know, other forms of sexual intimacy and sensuality can contribute to that and bring back that joy, you know, and connection between hmm. the partners. You know, that's as, as far as like a, on an intimate level. As far as, you know, if they're looking for you know, more herbal therapy and things like that, then there's many, many um, choices out there. And like as Chinese medical practitioners, we we do it on a very individual basis based on the, the presentation of the person. But there, there are, you know, I think the the big thing for support is, is absolutely right. What you're saying is not to create any more trauma around the situation. Yeah, and, and the know, perfect and kind of way. The perfect antidote, of course, to anxiety and pressure is pleasure and fun. I mean, you <laughs> when you said those mm, correct. things just a minute ago, our faces lit up. It's so true and literal. The, the moment you can keep things playful and enjoyable and just fun, whatever that may be, it might be the gateway to a great release in in many other ways we are almost out of time but thank you for for your work and for giving voice to a topic that is so important to so many men 
and women that is, again, not discussed in the public. And it's not easy to talk about, but you are doing a beautiful job speaking about it and addressing it. So thank you for your work. That's Dr. Sharon Ellison, the founder of Acupuncture for Men's Health. Mark, you had a Oh, I just, you were talking about how it's not an easy topic, and, and yet we just spent a half hour, and it just felt so easy and so comfortable just to be in this conversation <laughs> with Sharon, because uh-huh. it just, you just made it feel like, okay, we're safe. We can have this mm. conversation. So beautiful job. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, being with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, we hope to talk to you again, Sharon. Thanks again. And her website is Acupuncture for Men's Health, all one word, acupuncture4menshealth.com if you want to check it out. Again, that's Dr. Sharon Ellison who joined us today from Portland, Oregon. Thanks, Sharon. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Bouquet. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And um, coming up is the beautiful, familiar world of produce, fruits and vegetables in just a second. That and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. Spicely Organics' emphasis has long been on the natural health benefits of organic spices, and now Spicely is excited to share more health benefits with the introduction of their hand-blended organic teas. Choose from black, green, white, mate, oolong, pu'er, and herbals blended with their signature spices like vanilla rooibos, sweet turmeric, and honey lavender. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at spicely.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. This hour filled with healthy sexuality, men's sexual health, a holistic approach. We heard from Dr. Sharon Allison, licensed acupuncturist and the founder of Acupuncture for Men's Health. That's acupuncture4menshealth.com, who joined us from Portland, Oregon today in this hour on male intimacy and female intimacy, since it's so often connected mark here's the word here's the word from the world of healthy fruits and vegetables organic agriculture at its best and what's in season what's in season mark well today we're talking about something that has two seasons, and this is actually the best of those two seasons. Today, we're talking about figs, and and figs are one of those fruits that have two seasons, and if you've already experienced one, but it was kind of short, and the figs were good. Now we're getting into the real fig season. (laughs) Now we're getting into the fig season that if you're a fig lover, you've been waiting all year long for that. So, Sita, before we jump into Earl here, I would like to know, how do you 
like to eat your figs? So I have to say, this is, again, this is the product of my years of education from Earl and Mark about how to choose good produce. And I was at the market with a really good friend of mine the other day. Figs are out. And she was like, California figs. Oh, my God. I can't wait to try these. And she's looking at baskets. And I was like, wait, wait, honey. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what to look for when you pick a fig. Because I remember you saying to me that they have to look like they're they're almost rotten. Basically, they need to be like bursting at the seams. Um, and that's how you know that the, the sugar is have gotten really, really complex, and it's really juicy, if I remember correctly. I wait until they don't look plump and shiny anymore, basically. Well, you want to make sure that they're they're not too firm, but they're also not, com- they shouldn't smell fermented, right. right? You don't want to have that, but you want to have that little bit of dew. You want to have that little bit of dew at the, at the bottom, right, where the little hole is. And I, what I like to do is I actually like to put my fingers in that little hole and just rip it open and then just, and then just suck the... the the seeds right out of it. So, Earl, now that I've got you set up for the show, um, <laughs> it's fig season. Let's talk yeah. about some figs. Figs it is. Um, and, and, and what a wonderful season. It, it, it reminds me of Italy. It reminds me of, of still art. We have this bowl, and and some and someone's drawn it. And it has, of course, you know, a melon that's bursting at the seams. And the same thing with, with this dark, exterior uh, cover on on the black mission with just inside the little little white around the skin and then this red interior awaits for you right there it's just fantastic sweet i i think it's it's one of the sweetest sweetest flavors you can have a, a ripe fig so it's almost too much like a mind freeze mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes this year um Second crop is you know is just really coming out. It's been out for a little while now, and I was checking my notes from from last year, and it's almost the same situation. Wow. Except we're about a week early, and last week we were two. Last year we were two weeks early, so you know this this hot weather that we get really uh, compresses the season. It it accelerates the growth and really brings on the fruit, and sometimes that does mean that. The, uh, the season's going to end a little early. We'll just have to see how the rest of the summer pans out if the temperatures really spike like they did last year. What varieties are we looking at, um, Earl? Of course, there's Adriatic and Black Mission, Black Mission and then there's the Pink mm-hmm. Striped. Is that right? Is that the ni- right name? Candy Striped. Candy Striped, exactly. Mm-hmm. Candy yep, Striped. Yeah, and Brown Turkey's quite popular. Kadoda. Um, and uh, there's a Kadoda, which is um, you know not as sweet as the Adriatic, but it's more of a yellow one. So the Adriatic is green with intense red. And sweet as honey. of course, is black with red. The brown turkey is brown with kind of a, I don't know, a light brown, pinkish interior. And then the Kadota is yellow. So you know, those are the varieties. And there's, there's really hundreds. But the ones that are the most popular are, are the, the black mission and then brown turkey. And, of course, you can find the Adriatics, gobble them up. And it's not, and, it's not like one, one variety is better than the other. You know, with apples, you get apples from August all the way into January almost. And <clears throat> for some varieties, it's a good year. For others, maybe not. Is that the same? Mark, 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 <laughs> tell me. Mark is shaking his head. <laughs> well, I think I don't so, even know what he's shaking his head about. Like I haven't asked anything, anything. If you're a fig lover... So this is just the way I'm going to preface this. You're not wrong, Helga, but like any fig lover, you will have your favorite. And so I would say, I would definitely say that there are figs that are better 
depending on what you like. Like uh, Earl was talking about an Adriatic. That's my favorite fig. It, the, the, the succulent red seed uh, mass inside, it tastes like honey on your tongue, and it's almost surreal this, the, eating this fig. But I know people who swear by black missions and think that's but, the best. But my question was, if a season is great for black missions, could it be that you know, cotton-striped candy-striped uh, candy striped, uh, figs are not perfect? That it's Probably like a good season not. for one variety, but... Because they come in within two or three months? No, it's too short, right? Well, it's probably not because they all love heat. Right. Right? They all love good that. or it's not. Yeah. I think uh, – now, if it had too much heat for too long, it would affect all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there could be certain pockets, certain areas where maybe something has happened, a little microclimate perhaps. But you're right. You know, it's going to – if it, you know, figs are going to be good. Or they're not going to be good. And mm -hmm. it's all about that heat and that, that kind of consistent warm weather. Mm -hmm. You know, the, um, go ahead. Go ahead, Earl. The, you know, the, the growers that I've talked to, they have uh, experienced uh, a bit of the drought and, and the effects, and they're seeing their water table go down. Um, but, again, there's we're still not anything real problematic, but they are, they are feeling that. Uh, it's been a good set. We're going to get uh, a, lot of, a lot of quality product again. And, of course, the season will continue, well, depending upon the weather in the next couple months. If it, if it heats up a, a huge amount, you'll have the trees actually stop growing and the fruit stop, stops developing. And then, of course, if early rains come, it knocks it out, too. So let's just hope for the best and as the year continues. Is there any way, like with those shorter crops of just one month, two months, three months, mm -hmm. perhaps like tomatoes, what what's the best way of storing them, Mark? Of course, I think... Uh, Uh, and earlier too, I think sure. you can dry figs, which really changes them quite a bit in, in flavor. Can you freeze them? Yep. What's the best? What's the best best ways of dealing with that? Yeah, do you want to take that or do you want it. me to? Go ahead, Mark. Uh, well, you can freeze them. You can cut them into like little uh, wed wedges, and you can freeze them uh, just like that, and then put them in a bag and store them that way which is fantastic. Um, if you want to just keep, if you don't want to get into freezing and you just want to keep them a little longer in your refrigerator, you can stick them in the back of your refrigerator because the back of your refrigerator is colder, so it'll keep them longer. And if they weren't, if you if you know that, okay, this is it, I'm not going to get any more, I'm going to buy three or four or five baskets, you can do a combination of both. Put a couple in the back of your fridge. Don't buy them quite as Sita was saying when she first, You know, when they're really starting to crack and just ooze, buy them just a teeny bit firmer, and then you'll, they'll last a little longer. Um, but they'll all be great, and you can use them for cooking, and you can use them for eating fresh. Um, How long are we talking in the fridge? If you put, like, I know with dates, for example, you can have them in there for months. For a year. It's basically just yeah. sugar. Is that the true, same mm, probably true? Probably in the fridge, you've probably got a couple weeks. And that's, that's stretching it, <clears> if, <throat> they weren't, if they weren't picked too firm. I mean, too uh, ripe. You, you know what? I, I think I would put them in some Tupperware with maybe uh, some uh, paper towel on the bottom and, and not in the coldest part of the refrigerator, but, you know, in some very, very mild uh, uh, part of it. And you'll, you'll, I, that's probably the best way you'll eke out a couple more days 
Yeah, I'm not sure. I've never, I, I, they personally don't last in my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew you would say that. <laughs> no, that's a really great tip, though, because I have personal experience with that, too. When I have them, when I have baskets and baskets and I don't get through them quickly enough, I do put them on um, a, a towel, on a kitchen towel, on a plate in the fridge. And I was really amazed how many more days they mm-hmm. were still really good. Mm-hmm. They didn't break down and, and just become And with any it. fruit, you can make fig jam, beautiful, oh, yeah. wonderful. Ah. Food to process, actually. Well, amazing yeah, awesome, fruit. And great tips. Great yeah, tips, everyone. Great tips. Thank you so much, Earl. Ah, you know, that's, again, just go out and enjoy them while they're here. You know, the, the season can last uh, two, three months or so, but it's so fleeting. So you think, oh, maybe I won't get them today. But, boy, before you know it, they'll be gone. So stock up and enjoy them. And always, for produce tips, earlsorganic.com is an amazing site with recipes and produce tips and seasonal tips of what really is best peaking this week or the next couple of weeks, earlsorganic.com. Thanks, Earl. Wonderful to have you on the show again. Thank you, Helga. Thanks, everybody. Fix it. Uh, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. See ya. Take care. You know, Mark, I want to thank you, too, because figs are one of those fruits that I was like, I don't really like figs. <laughs> For years, it was, I don't really like figs. And then I realized that it's because I was buying them when they were underripe. And, and it was like almost an, it was like almost the texture of a banana. It was kind of like spongy, papery something on the inside that just, it wasn't, it wasn't creamy. It wasn't sweet. It just, it was lackluster. Mm-hmm. And then when you taught me that, You don't choose to buy a fig the same way you choose to buy a different kind of fruit, and I really learned what to get. It is really an outstanding flavor. It's unlike anything else. Mm -hmm. It's also something I think kids often don't like. There's something mature about a fig. I don't know why Mm -hmm. when I had figs, maybe because they're all half-dried from Morocco and Germany, and they only get you only get them in in wintertime for Christmas, and they all come in this sugar package. And it's just not the same experience, a fresh fig off the tree or just harvested a day or two before. Amazing. You take those on a date that are perfectly ripened, and someone will follow you home. (laughs) And that closes the circle, doesn't it it not? Men's sexual health are topping in this hour. Figs are what's in season. A holistic approach to men's health and men's intimacy. And, um, yeah, I think we're out of time. Beautiful. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Full spectrum. <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> and that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thanks for listening. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation. We're your hosts, Helge Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. <laughs>